0: Today on the podcast, you'll hear a message from Dr. Jim Richards. Jim Richards has over 40 years of successful ministry, including outreach to the Philippines, pioneering churches in America, conducting leadership conferences, and pastoring a local church in Huntsville, Alabama. As a best-selling author, he has also published dozens of books and ministry development programs. Let's dive into the message.
1: When I was born again, and I got saved on the streets. I wasn't in church. Uh, had had never been to church, but just a few times in my whole life. But uh, I opened the Bible and read the New Testament through uh, probably a couple times before I ever went to church. And it, then it wasn't long until I said, all right, I'm going to read the whole Bible through. And there is a new believer only being born again just a little while. I found the story where, uh, where God sent Samuel out to anoint David as king. Of course, Samuel didn't know it was going to be David. And when he got there, he was about to pick the wrong guy, all based on external factors. And God spoke to him and said, Look, don't look on the outward appearance. He said, because, he says, I don't look on the outward appearance. I look on the heart. And I can remember that night just as clear as a bell and realizing that God was a heart God, that what he was looking at was my heart. Now, is behavior important? Yes, behavior is incredibly important, particularly as it as it relates to trying to have relationships with other people, because if your behavior is out of control, then you're going to be hurting and offending other people all the time and you're never going to have good relationships. So yeah, behavior is important. But what makes behavior most important is when behavior changes just because your belief changes, not because you're trying to make it change per se. As long as you're trying to make your behavior change, then then you've got a belief issue. But all that to say, I have spent the last 45 years seeking to understand the heart from a biblical perspective, how the heart works, how it influences us, what this has to do with our relationship with God, what this has to do with any aspect of of human life. And of course, many of you who have uh, been here and watched over the years, you know that, that the heart more than anything else is the seat of your beliefs about you and your beliefs about God your heart is the place that God speaks to you. You know, your spirit man is, is inhabited by the Holy Spirit, but when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, he speaks into your heart. And so everything that God's trying to do, in this, it's gonna happen in our heart because our heart is our primary seat of identity. So when our sense of identity changes, a behavior and all of these other things take care of itself. But you also have to understand that because the heart is the seat of our self-worth, and if you've been to any of my Dignity and Worth conferences or if you have my Dignity and Worth series, then you, you understand that worth or value and love are one and the same thing. Love is not uh, the sexual uh, inclinations that you have towards someone. Love is not the is not just how excited you are when you see them. All that can be about selfishness. All that can be about it can be about meeting your need. But love is when you value someone. You consider them precious. You hold them in high regard. And when that is the way that you truly are relating to someone, how you treat them is going to be all about making them feel precious it's going to be all about uh uh, them knowing they're valuable and that they're held in high regard and and so all of that really is flowing out of our heart so since love is from the heart and relationships are are wrapped up in our identity it's amazing to me that we tend to forget that this thing, this connection we have with God is a relationship. It's not a formula. It's not just a position. It's us connecting uh, to our Creator from our heart. And so, you know, over the years, I've taught you all kinds of things about developing your heart. But, you know, I want to talk specifically to you now about our connection to the heart of God. Now, I want you to understand something about love. I hear people talking about love, and I hear, and remember, love is always a heart thing. But the concepts or, or the ideas that so many people have about love today are not biblical they have nothing to do with how God tells us to treat one another they have nothing to do it's all about just make me feel good and if you don't make me feel good then then we're not walking in love well you know there's a lot of things that Jesus said to people that did not make them feel good until they put them into practice and then ultimately or till they started to believe them and put them in practice and ultimately yeah it it, it did make them feel good because it freed them from oppression it freedom from fear freedom from guilt and, and all those kinds of things but I want you to understand that when the bible talks about love there is a there you'll run across these phrases about perfect love or love being perfected or love being completed and when when love is completed and which is that's the will of God where love is involved God always wants love to be completed so completed love is love that is given and received and the person who receives it is able to respond to the giver and able to pass it on to others because because the receiving of that love changes their sense of who they are changes their identity. It changes their dignity and worth. It changes the way they look at the world, the way they look at people. And, and, and you see, we can only give what we have. And if we don't have a sense of dignity and worth, if we don't have a sense of value, then we will not and ultimately cannot consistently cause other people to feel valued, cause other people to feel loved. Now, I mean, stop and think about it. The Bible tells us to love, to have value, to hold in high regard, to consider precious the Lord your God. Then it tells you to love, to have value, to consider precious, to hold in high regard others, your neighbor. And and it says to do that in the same way that you love or hold yourself in high regard to consider yourself precious. Well, you know, the main thing that would cause me to consider myself precious isn't my wonderful life. Because, uh, you know, I I haven't had a wonderful life. And even as a believer, I've had my struggles just like everybody else has. And and, you know, and I'm thankful it, it, helps my, it helps my conscience when I live a godly life. But my self-worth ultimately comes from the value that God has for me. And because of experiencing that value, I feel good about myself. And when I'm working through issues, when I'm working through struggles, I still feel good about myself. My struggles and my failures don't make me feel bad about myself. Now I gotta I got tell you, if your conscience is, is alive, if your heart is not hardened, then yes when you fail when you do things it is going to affect you you're going to have some negative emotions and if you don't have any negative emotions over sin and or offenses or these sort of things then then you got a hard heart it doesn't mean that you you have been perfected in love or that you have you're just convinced of your righteousness because righteousness itself it has, has no communion, no fellowship with darkness. Light has no fellowship with darkness. So when we give ourselves to darkness or we give ourselves to things that are unloving, yes, it's going to cause us to have, so absolutely, to have some negative feelings, but it's never going to affect our self-worth unless it becomes a way of life and then ultimately we destroy our self-confidence and eventually we will we will destroy our self-worth. But If I feel good about myself because of the regard that God has for me, because of how valuable I am to him, then looking at other people is about having having value for them, which means the way that I'm going to communicate with them, the way that I'm going to relate to them is always going to be in a a way that reflects the value that I have for them, the value that, that I would have for that relationship. But see, here's the kicker. Loving God and loving people doesn't happen in two different ways. Because if I love God, if His love for me is being completed, if I'm accepting it and truly experiencing it in my heart, then the way I relate to God is going to actually cause me to always do what I do in a way that expresses value for this relationship. You know, this is why the Bible tells us not to grieve the Holy Spirit by, by the way that we treat each other. But you know something? You can grieve the Holy Spirit by the way you treat God. There's a lot of way that you, ways that you can grieve the Holy Spirit. doesn't mean that you're know that you not loved. It doesn't mean that you're not valued. But see, if, God, if we're created in the likeness and the image of God, then... God is a social, emotion, emotional, relationship-oriented being. Now, he's not dr- driven by emotions, but he has emotions. He feels emotions. God is not just some machine. God is a, is a personal entity that is capable of emotions. How do I know that? Because he has emotions, or he sh- expresses them in, in the Bible, but also, if I'm creating his likeness and image, he has emotions. So you know something? If God's important to me, If walking with God, having a relationship is important to me, then it is important to me how I make God feel. Now, I'm going to tell you something. There there will be some people whose heads will explode when they hear this because they only want a technical relationship with God, not an intimate relationship with God. But I'm going to tell you something. The main thing that's missing from most of our lives that's causing us to struggle is the fact that we're not having intimacy with God. Some people can immediately kind of get shook up about this, like, oh, oh wait a minute, you're, you're going to make me feel bad. You're going to make me feel like I'm not treating God right. No, that's, that's not where we're going with this thing. We're going with this thing, what a relationship with God really looks like, how it benefits your life, what it's going to do in making you whole, what it's going to do for your faith. Because, you know, remember, faith is about trusting God. And, and there's an interesting aspect of faith. There's an interesting aspect about all relationships however we treat a person, however we treat any individual, we tend to project onto them our motives. You know, there, there, there was a guy that, that I was trying to help and uh, I re- I wanted to help him, wanted to do him some benefit. Well, well, he was trying to con me in the process. And so, so you know, when you're trying to con somebody, then if they do help you, you project your motives on them and you think that the only reason they're helping you is because you've conned them or they're trying to con you. They, they want something from you. So, <clears throat> so you have to understand, the more we choose to walk in love, the more we choose to connect to God in, in, in truth and honesty and, and intimacy and love, the more we become capable of receiving love and experiencing love from Him, and the more we become capable of giving and receiving love with others. But let's look at this just for a minute. You know, whenever, whenever we look at all the words that God uses to uh, describe our connection with Him, it's really interesting that pretty much everything He says is, um, uh, revolves around the idea of relationships. You know, we're, we're the children of God. We're the family of God. We're the heirs of God. We're the bride of Christ. And, and 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 it's amazing thing that even though we we say you know we want to be in a relationship with God, in talking to so many believers, they use doctrinal or you could say legal terms to describe their connection or to describe why they feel secure in their connection. It's amazing to me how many people, you know, when they talk about identity in Christ, it's a technical thing. When they talk about <clears throat> uh, uh, connecting to God or knowing God or where they, where they are with God, I very seldom ever hear people Talk about that in relational terms. They tend to talk about it of, of you know I'm I'm hidden Christ in God and and, and you know uh, this is this is what's mine in Jesus and and so and so we're looking at what we have in Christ. We're looking at all these factors. And we're, we're just making them ours or claiming them as ours based on just the legality of the fact that the Word says that they're ours. And, and you know, that's not totally wrong because we have to be absolute about the Word. But what I have found is that, that many people who have the right legal expression of what we have in Christ don't really have any or very much experience about how that pans out into a relationship. Because all of these things that make us secure with God, all of these things that build a connection with God, all of these things that we have in Christ should be things that lead us into more of a relationship and less of just a legal description, less of just us, uh, of us de- being able to define what's technically ours. Now, <clears throat> you know, one of the most common models that God uses and talking about our relationship with him is marriage. And, you know, the sad thing about that is in today's economy, marriage is so, the concepts of marriage are so perverted and people are throwing away marriage. You know, uh, one of the things that, one of the things that the left did for years and years and years, the left has always sought to destroy the family in America. And, And really by creating a welfare state for, uh, first for minorities and then ultimately for many whites, one of the things that happens is sometimes for for a single uh, mother, it's economically better for them to not marry the father and ha- keep that child out of wedlock so that they can get more benefits. And, and that was the intention uh, are part of the intention behind creating a welfare state, is to begin to break the family up, begin to get the father out of the family. So one of the things that has happened over the years is there's, uh, there's little realization among much of the population about the role of a father. And when you talk to some people about relating to God as a father, that's, <clears throat> they have no capacity because, because either their father was an abuser or their father just wasn't present, was just never there. And the sense of God always being there, always being attentive is just beyond the emotional grasp of so many people in, in our society. Well, you know, now, of course, uh, we got fathers knocked out, now ultimately the destruction of the family unit that, that that takes place and the value of marriage and how to have a great marriage. People today don't know how to have a great marriage. They don't know how to build a relationship. And so so to the degree that we lose these types of values, I want you to know it diminishes our capacity to, to connect with and understand God. But. <clears throat> Marriage is probably one of the clearest pictures or metaphors of our connection with God. Now, keep in mind, it takes the same elements to have an incredible marriage, the same emotional elements, the same uh, elements of commitment uh, to have a great marriage as it does to have an incredible relationship with God. Now, all of you are familiar with, with scriptures about marriage and, and our relationship with God or being describing it. You know, like in Ephesians 5, uh, it says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God. Now, if I'm imitating God, then I am walking in love, especially to my neighbor first and foremost, but then ultimately even to my enemies. So God wants us to be like him Jesus came and showed us exactly what God was like by walking in love and healing people and helping people and blessing people, setting people free from, from demonic oppression or any kind of oppression, giving people hope. All the things that Jesus brought, he did that because that is God's character and nature. That is, that's what God does for all of us, and Jesus came and showed that to us. And Jesus says, now, if, if you want to be my disciple, and if you want to express yourself like children of your Heavenly Father, then this is the way your Heavenly Father does it. This is the way Jesus modeled it. And if you wanna be godly, this is this is the primary way you're you're gonna be godly, is you're gonna walk in love. And like I say, the place that we should uh, should walk in love more than anywhere else is in our relationships. So, you know, Ephesians 5, 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Not not dominated her, not controlled her, but gave himself. And then down in verse 30, it goes on to say, For we are members of his body, of his flesh and his bones. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they two shall become one flesh. But verse 32 tells you, Uh, gives you incredible insight it says now this is a great mystery but I speak concerning Christ in the church so in other words all this stuff I'm talking about marriage even though it applies to marriage he's saying but I'm really talking to you about this mystery about our relationship with God uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ as us being the bride of Christ now one of the major differences between what happens in marriage and what happens in our relationship with God is this God is the one being and the only being in a relationship that is able to love perfectly and uncompromisingly. So, <clears throat> it, with God, we're never dealing with Him being in a bad mood. We're never dealing with Him being aggravated with us because of our problems. Now, but that doesn't mean we can't hurt Him. That doesn't mean that we can't affect the heart of God. But He is always gonna love us with, with a perfect love. So. We've got to realize that our desire, willingness, and capacity to love in our relationships actually reflects more about our spirituality and more about our relationship with God than any single religious thing that we do. You know, you know I tell people all the time, the greatest measurement of spiritual maturity is our capacity and our willingness to experience and express god's love and if we're not experiencing and expressing god's love man you quote all the scriptures in the world you can work miracles you can do all this thing and and you know corinthians 13 tells us but without love it's pretty much all meaningless it might help somebody else but it doesn't help you you know god loves us you know the bible paints a portrait of god eagerly watching over us proactively seeking to protect us doing all he can to promote and facilitate a loving, life-giving relationship. You know, Psalm 145, nine, I love this, this scripture. It says, the Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all of his works. In other words, God is always anxious to, uh, and in everything he does, his tender mercies are always over everything that he does because God wants us to have this incredible experience of feeling and experiencing love from him so that, so that we just never feel lack, like, so that we never feel alone, so that we never feel bad, so that we never feel like he's not, he's not there for us. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive into everything I've said now is really just to get us to this point. And in a few minutes in the mentoring moment, we're going to get really serious about this point. But Proverbs 16, 6 says this, In mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity. And by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. You know, uh, I've always known, and and you'll see this in the scripture, when Jesus quoted Deuteronomy 6.13, where it says, To fear the Lord and him only shall you serve, he quoted that word as worship. And so either he doesn't know the language, or we don't recognize the language. And, and one of the most common realizations of the, of the word fear of God as it relates to fear, it's not talking about being afraid of Him hurting you. As a matter of fact, uh, the Apostle John says if you're afraid of Him hurting you, th- then really you don't believe that He loves you with a perfect love. You, you, you're really off based on your concept of love. But <clears throat> we understand, and I've, I've taught this for years, that when it talks about the fear of God, it's talking about an awe and a reverence. That leads to love and trust and faith and worship. That's why Jesus quoted fear God as worshiping God, because it's something that promotes worship. But but I was I was doing some research um, from a, 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 a Hebrew scholar, and he was talking about the fear of God, and I saw something I'd never seen. Because in in Jewish tradition or in Hebrew tradition, the concept of the fear of God is real conducting your life and your relationship with God in a way where where you are avoiding at all costs breaking the heart of God in other words a fear of God is being afraid of hurting God in his heart and his love for you I quoted the scripture where I told you that God's tender mercies are over all of his works I remember for years back in the 70s, uh, i i i meditated on that passage of scripture and began began to see that that god's not just interested in what he does for us but he is interested that what he does for us conveys incredible value it it, it actually produces in us the the realization the feelings the sensation of being valuable and precious and and held in high regard and and really this is this is what love really looks like you know if you love someone then you're always going to be acutely aware of how your words how your behavior what you express to them how it's going to make them feel and let me say this i don't meet many people that that love that way or want to love that way as a matter of fact what i meet are people who all they're concerned about is how are you going to make me feel in other words, I want you to be concerned about how I feel, even though I have no concern about how you feel. And I'll have some concern about how you feel if you make me feel good. So it's really not love at all. It's just people using and manipulating each other, and, and that's just such a bad thing. So, uh, so you've got to realize that God is always proactively concerned about how he makes us feel. So if we are relationship-oriented people, then the real truth is we'll always be concerned about how we make God feel. Remember, the love of God, experiencing the love of God isn't because you quote Scripture about the love of God. Experiencing the love of God is where love comes alive in you and you reciprocate. It's just natural for you to express that back.